Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. talk to you about the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, right? Because we all know the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Some of you, um, you've been married a while. Your first Christmas tree probably looked like something like this because this is all you could afford, right? Um, Some of you are like, yeah, we had one of those trees. And man, growing up and watching Charlie Brown Christmas, I was like, Charlie Brown, dude, you were your own worst enemy. Why did you buy that tree, right? As a kid, you're like, why'd you, why'd you buy that tree? There were so many other trees you could have bought. Why didn't you buy one that was good, not one that could be good, right? Like he saw potential, which is great and fine, but those kids didn't want potential. They wanted reality to be good. Um, and, and as I've watched this movie, and this really is, I met several people last week that have not watched this ever in their life. And I mean, I'm like, It's like not reading the Bible to me. Um, Maybe not that extreme, okay? But it is like a great show. You need to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas with your kids, grandkids, or by yourself. Um, But um, is is when when I was when I've been watching this now, I kind of get it a lot more as an adult, and I have grown to appreciate the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And for a lot of us in this place. I gotta be really, really just honest. We feel like the tree today. We, we, we don't feel like we're living this full life. We don't feel like we're really, really great and that life's really, really great, but we feel like maybe, maybe it could be. Maybe it could turn into something. And, and this morning, I want to really talk to us about, man, can you still hold on to the dream? Can you still hold on to the vision that God has for your life, even when people are discounting it? Because, man, Charlie Brown had a vision for the tree, right? He, had a, he, had, he saw what it could be, and yet everybody's like, you're stupid, Charlie. You, you know, you feel sorry for Charlie Brown. You're like, man, get off the kid's back. He just bought a bad tree, you know? Um, but, but can you still hold on to that vision when people are laughing about the vision's and the dreams that you have. And this isn't in my notes, um, but I would just tell you this. Um, as your pastor, as somebody who has, um, has crazy dreams, crazy visions about um, what my life's gonna look like, um, I am not done, we are not done as a church, but I do have to tell you this, you gotta be very careful who you share your visions and your dreams with. Um, because if you, you're not careful, they can squash and they can crush your dream 
um, and they can, they can call you out of what God has called you into. And if you look at the story of David and Goliath, and I don't know why I'm sharing this right now, because this has nothing, this is nowhere even close to my notes. But if you look at the story of David and Goliath, when David knew he was supposed to charge into battle, the very first thing that Goliath did was try to discount, try to discredit. I'm like, I'm a champion, and you come at me with a dog. He's, he, <clears throat> he starts bad-mouthing David, starts trying to intimidate David from ever entering the fight. And if you're not careful, you can allow somebody to intimidate you from engaging in the very thing God has called you into. And so be very wise, be very careful about who you share your dreams with. I'm not telling you to share your dreams and your visions only with yes people that get excited about everything. Like, I just cut my leg open. Well, that's awesome. You know, I'm not saying um, for you to share your dreams, and, but, but <clears throat> you need to make sure the people you are sharing your dreams and your visions with are for you um, more than they are against you. So just be very, very wise. But... <clears throat> This morning, I want us to talk about um, a, a couple of things that we can see from this tree. And the first thing is this, is God sees potential when all you see is lack. God sees potential when all you see is lack. All the kids besides Charlie Brown and maybe Linus, you might throw Linus in there, and next week was we, we're gonna have a communion, not communion, we're gonna have a candlelight service in here, and Linus is going to be the stud of the whole show. Linus is the man. Um, but uh, maybe Linus saw the potential, you know, but all the other kids saw all that the tree lacked, and why wouldn't they, right? You're looking at this, and... Lucy had a perception of what her tree was going to look like. The kids had a expectation of what the tree was going to look like, and yet this is what the tree was. It was disappointing. All they saw what was lacking instead of all the potential that could be. And can I tell you, for a lot of us, we, it's not the Lucy, it's not all the kids, it's not everybody else around us that sees what we lack. For many of us, it's ourselves. We see what we lack. We see our, it's not other people telling us what our limitations are. It's we wake up every morning and we know what our limitations are. It's not everybody else that's telling us all the mistakes we've made. It's that we wake up every day and we get ready to go back to work, but we know the mistakes we made. We get ready to engage in new relationships, but we know the mistakes we made in our past. And it's not that other people are limiting, limiting us. It's not that other people are telling us all we lack. It's that we wake up every morning and we know what we lack. We know how we've messed up. And it's not that other people are putting limits on our dreams or limits on our visions, it's that we are the ones limiting ourselves because we know all too well what we lack. We know all too well where we've messed up that nobody else knows about. We know all too well about our shortcomings. And so how do you see and how do you get past the lack how do you get past all the imperfections and all the mess ups and that you still can buy into the potential that God has for you? I got great news for you is that most of the people that God used in a significant way in the Bible didn't think too much of themselves. 
If you, if you really look at it, from Abraham to David to Mo, most of us know Moses. Oh, I can't, I can't do this. I stutter. I stutter. You know, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. You know, there's no way. I'm the wrong guy. Most people saw all they lacked instead of all that they were. And there's a story in Judges, Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 16 is going to be our text this morning. And it's a story about a man named Gideon. And many of us are familiar with Gideon. And this morning I want to read to you kind of really the calling of Gideon. And it says this in verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah. So you didn't know Oprah was in the Bible. Um, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, now I want us to stop here because <laughs> Gideon was not a mighty hero. In fact, other translations says mighty warrior, you know, mighty man of valor. He is the angel of the Lord. The Lord is calling out of Gideon his potential already. He is telling Gideon, this is what you can be instead of what you are settling into. And for some of us, we're like, man, I know what God is calling me to, but here's what I feel like I look like. And I got to tell you, it's not that the Lord is limiting you because of all your past mistakes, because of all that you have settled into. It's because you are allowing yourselves to limit yourselves. And it says this in verse 13, Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Amidonites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with strength, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And it says this, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Verse 15 shows us what happened to Gideon. He, he was infected with something. He had a disease. He had uh, uh, got something. I know there's a lot of sickness going around right now. Um, there's a lot of kids sick. There's a lot of adults sick. And like when I say he got infected with something, some of you are like wanting sanitizer right now to put on your hands, right? You're like, ah, he's grossing me out right now. I just keep talking about people coughing and being sick because I'm grossing out. Um, but, but here it is. Gideon had contracted and he had gotten a case of the isn'ts. Right? He'd gotten a case of the isn'ts. And when God told him all that he was, Gideon told him all that he isn't. Well, I'm, I'm not from, 
I'm, I'm not the richest person, I'm not the most significant person, I'm not this, and I'm not this, and I, I'm the weakest tribe, the weakest family, and not just the weakest tribe and the weakest family. I'm like, Giddy, I want to know what his stature looked like. Like, I'm thinking Screech off of Saved by the Bell. For some of you, the, like, that's what I'm thinking Gideon had to look like, because I'm like, dude, what, what happened? You know, like, God comes up and says, mighty warrior, you know, mighty hero, and Gideon's like, I don't know about that. Um, I don't know what to do with my hands. I feel really awkward right now, God, because you're asking me to do stuff. I'm just not, you know, kind of like Marty McFly, just the whole McFly thing um, pops out. And Gideon has the case of the isn'ts. He was consumed with all he isn't. He was consumed with all he couldn't do, all that he wasn't, all that he didn't have. God's telling him, who he is, and Gideon's busy telling him who he isn't. And if we're not careful, we can get the same disease. We can have the same issues that Gideon had. When God's asking us to do something that sounds crazy, <laughs> wait, 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 God, I, I must have eaten something weird, I must have had just, that's just a weird dream, or I know what you're calling is for my life, and I've got to tell you, no matter what age you are in this place, I don't care if you are 85 years old, can I tell you, God still has a calling on your life. There's not an expiration date to it. We treat God's calling like food, right? Like if, if, there's a, if there's an expiration date on milk, I'm not drinking it. If it's past it, I'm just like, no, no, I have been burned too many times, right? Oh, it's, it smells good. And you would think this would work better than it does. And I'm like, it smells good. And you get it and you're like, Ugh! you know, it's just rotten milk is the worst, and many times we treat God's calling on our life like an expiration date with, well, I must have missed my window of opportunity. Really? Well, well I may have could have done it when I was in my 20s, but now, you know, I, I, you don't know all that I'm not. <laughs> you don't know all that I lack. And God knows exactly all that you lack, and yet he's still calling you to be what you aren't. He's calling you to be what you think you isn't. He's saying, man, I'm, I know, Gideon, you are the least of your tribe. You're the least of your family. You're the McFly, the screech of the clan. I, I get it. I know what you're saying, but rise up, mighty man of valor. Rise up, mighty hero, because I've got something for you to do. He wasn't consumed with the lack. He was consumed with the potential that was in Gideon. And if you and I aren't careful, we will allow what we lack to sidetrack us from our potential in God. And I don't, I don't want to live this life. I've never met somebody that has, has lived life out that said, you know, I just want to get really close to my potential and then just kind of cruise there. No. I don't want to have a life full of potential. I want to see that potential become a reality. And I believe what is true of me is true of every single person in this place. You don't want your marriage to have potential, you want it to be a reality. You don't want your relationship with your kids to have potential, you want it to be a reality. 
your, your workplace life, man, just what you're doing with life outside of work and making this impact and making a difference. You don't want it to just stay at potential. You want it to be a reality. And I loved what Henry Ford said. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I would change this to this today. It's not what Henry Ford said, but I'm totally gonna hijack his quote. Whether you think you is or you think you isn't, you're right. You're right. And, and, and here's what I would tell you. You can spend time making excuses or being obedient, but not both. And, and the very first thing that Gideon does when God tells him all his plans is tells him all the reasons he can't. He starts listing out all the excuses, all of of what he couldn't do. And here's the deal. Here's what I want us to understand. Nobody was putting that limitation on Gideon but Gideon himself. And for so many of us, nobody's telling us we're the tree. We're putting the limitation on ourselves. And yet there's a verse that changed it all that could allow Gideon not to be consumed with this, but to step into what should be, what could be, and what God had for him. And it's found in verse 16 of our text. It says, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. Listen to me this morning. Hear my heart. Stop making excuses of why you can't, of why you aren't, of why you've missed the mark, why why life hasn't turned. Stop making all the excuses of why it isn't happening. And start stepping into what, so many of us, we get consumed with what is against us that we forget to be consumed with who is for us. We, we get consumed of, you know, well, this is against me, and this is against me, and I come from the least, my, my family life and my upbringing, and I'm the least of my family, and I'm poor, and I don't have this, and I'm not talented enough, and I've never been trained to be this warrior, and Gideon had all these things, and we do the same thing. Man, you don't know all the issues I have back from my parents. You don't know all the issues I've got with my kids. I don't have money. I've never come from money. I don't have talents. I've never been trained in this. I've never known how to do this, and we can get consumed with all that is against us instead of understanding the Word of God. God that says as he is for us who can be against us and stop making excuses and getting consumed with what is against you and start getting consumed of who is in you and who is for you and who's making a way for you to see your dreams become a reality because he has an incredible way of making this into something if you just will allow him to do it. Man, understand he's calling you out And he's calling you to become something way bigger, way greater than what you ever thought you could become. Stop focusing on all that is against you and start focusing on who is with you. I love this quote. It said this, quit making excuses, putting it off, complaining about it, dreaming about it, whining about it, crying about it, believing you can't, worrying if you can. Waiting until you're older, skinnier, richer, braver, or all around better. Suck it up, hold on tight, make plans, say a prayer, and get moving. And it comes from a little Nike thing that says, just do it. Right? And for some of us, we need to stop whining about it. We need to stop worrying about it. 
Some of us, the most biblical, godly thing you can do, you've been praying about it for years. Right? Oh, I just don't, I just, I just don't know, Clark. Um, you know, you just, you have this moment. I just don't, I don't know. Stop praying. You know what you're supposed to do. Well, it's not, it's not all, it's not all mapped out. Neither was Gideon's path. Neither was Moses' path. Neither was David's. He just had a sling and a rock. He didn't know he was going to cut Goliath's head off with a sword. He didn't know how it was all going to go down. He just planned on throwing a bunch of rocks at a giant and just say, hey, we're going we're gonna to spitball this thing from here on out. Right? Stop waiting for God's plan to make sense to you and just be obedient to the plan and stop making excuses. Stop putting off what he's calling you into and allow the potential that God sees to become a reality instead of what you're lacking to be your reality. The second thing I would tell you is this, is stop waiting for others to approve the story. Woo, woo, good Lord. I need a drink of water because I'm gonna preach this. Um, stop waiting for others to approve the story. Can I tell you the failure of Charlie Brown is that he listened to the opinion of everybody else, right? The whole rats part. He, he had had enough of listening to everybody. Charlie Brown knew what Charlie Brown saw. He saw what it could be, but he listened to what everybody else said about the situation instead of going off what, he, what should have been and could have been. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, it says this, Since there, therefore we, are, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And that doesn't necessarily mean sin because the writer of Hebrews says sin. Let us lay aside every weight. For a lot of us, that weight is what others think of us. That's what others are interpreting of our story, of, of what they're saying about how we're living our life out, of what we're trying to go after. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so carefully and easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Um, I stink at running endurance races right now, right? I can run really quick for really really short spans, I'm just fine. But you make me run for like 15 minutes, I'm like, <laughs> you know, there, there's a problem. And the problem for a lot of us is that we don't run this race and this path and this life with endurance. We get excited and we're like a puppy out of the cage. Ah, I'm out of the cage. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run. And then a month later, after the emotions have died down and people are still calling you crazy, and God hasn't moved on your timeline because he has a timeline, you decide to tap out and stop running. Let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. And catch this part, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Yesterday, um, my youngest had a basketball tournament. And during this basketball tournament, she was um, 
had a game that we were waiting for between our game, and there was a girl who, uh, her, her dad, man, was a piece of work. Um, he was, I'm like, this is, this is 10-year-old basketball. Like, let's calm down here. I'm no longer a coach, which is really good for me to be able to say, let's calm down now. Um, I am not getting technicals. I'm actually pretty quiet. When I'm not supposed to be yelling at the ref as a coach, I don't yell at him that much. And so um, um, I said that much, okay? I didn't say that. I'm not yelling at him. Something like, you, we need to talk about lying because you're a liar, Graves. Um, but um, this, this girl was so consumed with what her dad, her dad wasn't the coach, but you would have thought he was. He's over on the front like, hey, do this, do that, like yelling, like constantly, anytime she did something good, looking at her daddy, trying to get that, she had, she had some dad issues. I'm just telling you, um, I'm not a psychologist, I've just got common senses, and she had some, like if she messed up, she, she's looking and like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to her dad. And what was happening is she was so consumed with what her dad thought, she wasn't listening to what her coach was trying to tell her, who she needed to be listening to because he was in control of it all, that she was messing up the whole team because she was consumed with this rather than that. And can I tell you, we do the same thing. We do the same. We want everybody to approve our story before we engage in it, don't we? We want everybody else's approval. Okay, hey, what do, you, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And if we get one no, it totally nullifies all the 10,000 yes. Well, this one person didn't like that, right? We remember the negative way more than we remember the positive, and we get consumed with what people have said about us, and it's great. We're waiting for people to approve the story instead of allowing God to write the story. And the Word says this, that He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He didn't say that He's the co-author, that He's the ghostwriter for your story. No, no, no. He doesn't need you to be the editor-in-chief. He doesn't need you to publish the work that He wants to write. He is the author. He is the editor. He is a publisher of your story. And stop waiting for everybody else to approve your story when the one that really matters is the one you've got to look at, Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. Allow him to write your story. The Word of God says this in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 out of the message. It says, the fear of human opinion disables. But trusting in God protects you from that. What are you trusting in more? We sing songs about, I trust it all, I trust it all. But do you trust it when it kind of doesn't make sense to other people? I, I, Man, got to be honest. We got to make sure that what I'm saying is biblical. <laughs> we want God's story to make sense to everyone else around us when most of the time when you read the Bible, his story hardly ever makes sense to those that it was around. It, it made no sense to Gideon. He had to have God prove it that it was really him telling them this thing three separate times. Moses, it didn't make sense to Moses. You want me to go where? It didn't make sense most of the time. Because it, if it made sense, it would make us look really good instead of pointing to him and making him look really good. And the Bible says this, that they would see your good works and not glorify your wisdom, 
Not glorify how talented you are, but that they would see your good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven. That's what Jesus told his disciples. And many times we're waiting for God to make sense. We're waiting for the story to make sense. I'm not saying, okay, the next crazy dream you have, well, Justin said (laughs) Justin said I should open a donut shop with snakes running all around. No, that's dumb. Nobody's going to come to that, and I'm going to burn it down. (laughs) But so many of us, we never engage in the story because we're so fearful of what everybody else is going to think that it has disabled God from being able to write his story, from really being the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, There's a event that happened in March 30th, 1867, and some of you would have remembered this um, happening when you studied in in grade school at mid-high, but you have slept since then and probably you have forgotten. But in March 30th, 1867, U.S. Secretary of State William H. Seward signed a treaty with Russia to purchase what we know as Alaska. And it was frowned upon at the time. It was, it was uh, called Seward's Folly. They called Andrew Jackson's Polar Bear Garden, and they purchased Alaska for $7 million, which came out roughly to two cents an acre. Now, the Congress despite, passed by one vote in Congress for them to be able to do this. Congress like made fun of them, the Post, every, all the newspapers, the media, everybody trashed Seward, and they said, Seward's folly, and we'll never live this down, and we'll never live this down. And now we look at it, right, and we're like, $7 million for Alaska? Why wouldn't you have done that? If, if now you sold Alaska for a ridiculous dumb price of $100 an acre, okay, which we would never do, but if you did that, it would come out to sell for $37 billion. Now, can I tell you, most of us, we look at Seward's folly and we realize, man, if he would have been so crippled by people's opinion, instead of doing what he knew to do, something significant never would have happened and we would have missed out on a huge opportunity. And I, it's the same, that same truth. Why it may not be Alaska for you, it's something big for you. And there's gonna be your critics and you, you may be your own critic and say, I can't, I can't, I can't. But if you will learn to trust him And not keep your eyes here to people that just simply don't matter. But your gaze will be focused on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, why other people may call it your folly, your downfall, that's crazy, that's dumb, why in the world are they doing this, why in the world are they chasing after this at age 72 years old? Can I tell you, eventually... As long as you're doing what God has called you to do, it's going to be lived out in a way that brings benefit and glory, not just to you, but to him. I love this verse in the Bible. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece, God's masterpiece. <laughs> he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. For we are God's 
masterpiece. And I, I close with this. There's a um, painting, and it is called the Salvatore Mundi, and it, it looks like this. I think you guys have a picture of it, um, the Salvatore Mundi, and it may be kind of a little hard to um, see, but some of you, maybe you've heard of this. This was the last known painting from not Leonardo DiCaprio, but Leonardo da Vinci, two totally different guys there. Um, um, one drives a hybrid, the other painted for a living, um, and his paintings are worth a whole lot of money. And so Leonardo da Vinci painted this painting, but here's the deal. Back in 19, let me make sure I get this fact straight. Back in 1958, the painting was sold at an auction for $60 because most people thought that it was an imposter, that it was a fake. So 1958, they sell the Salvatore this, I, I'm getting ready to start making stuff up. I about said a He-Man name. Um, Salvatore Mundi was sold for $60 just last month. Um, they sold this at the Christie's auction in New York City, November 15th. And it came, all these people have, no, it's a fake, it's a fake. Recently, it just came out that, no, that's actually a real Leonardo da Vinci painting. This is the real deal, the last known one out of 20 that has happened. Um, and it sold for an astounding record-breaking $450 million. I wish I would have bought that painting for $60. Right? I, you keep the lottery. Give me that painting. Here's the deal. Is that I, I look at this and I'm like, it's, it's, no, it's no coincidence either that it's a picture of Jesus Christ. Because can I tell you, that's what Jesus does. He takes what doesn't look like much and he turns it into invaluable. He takes what other people criticize and they dismiss and they say it's not worth anything and he makes it into a masterpiece and that's what the word of God is saying in Ephesians is stop listening to everybody else. Stop waiting to get everybody's approval for the story that God is wanting to write in your life because you are his masterpiece and just like the tree if you keep watching Charlie Brown. It started like this, but it ended up looking better than what Charlie Brown ever could have dreamed because it got into the right hands and it started looking beautiful. Can I tell you that's exactly what will happen in your life if you allow Jesus to be the author and finisher of your story. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for today. And God, I just have to say, thank you for redeeming me. God, I, I was the screech. I was the one that didn't have much to offer. Lord, I had the one that put limitations on myself. Because my parents weren't pastors. We weren't rich. Had a great home, but there were so many things other people had that I didn't have that I started limit. I saw all that I lacked instead of all that you were. And so, Lord, I pray right now in this place, there's so many of us that we're here, and Lord, we're just seeing all that we lack instead of seeing all that you are, and I pray that our focus this morning would be turned, that, Lord, we would stop limiting what you are wanting to do because we lack so much. But, God, I pray that we would understand what your word says in Ephesians, that we are your masterpiece. And, Lord, that... Just like this painting that sold for $60, 
and ended up selling for just over $450 million. Lord, you take what isn't much. You take a couple of loaves of bread and some fish and you make a fish fry out of it that's able to feed thousands and thousands of people. You take a little band of throwaway men that were a mess and you call them your disciples. Then they go out and they totally change the world. And so this morning, I pray that we would stop being focused on what we lack. But our focus would be on who's for us. Man, that if you're for us, who can be against us? And Lord, for others of us in this place, I pray that we would stop waiting for other people to approve the story that you're wanting to write. God, that we would understand in this place, in our life, no matter what season we may be in, whether we're a teenager or whether we're in our 80s, God, that you're still wanting to write a story. You're not wanting to co-author it, co-publish it, ghostwrite it. But Lord, you want to be the author and the finisher of our faith. Because Lord, you're with us. Just like Gideon, where you said, I will be with you, God, whatever stage we're at. Lord, whether we think we're lacking, whether we're just afraid to engage in the story, let us understand we don't have to be full of fear because we're full of you. You're with us. So Lord, I pray that we would go out of this place today and we would live lives that are as big as you. Lord, that we would let life be lived at a, with a lot of potential, but that that potential would become a reality in our lives and that it would shine bright for you so that others may see our good deeds, our good works, and glorify you our Father in heaven. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Justin, I'm here, and man, I, 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 I gotta be real honest. And the reality of my life is, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus Christ. We wanna give you a chance to change that. You might be here, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your moment. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what, I just, I, I just need to recommit my life because my relationship isn't what it should be. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness, everything you've done. He is capable of making it right. So this morning, if that's you, when I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life and your eternity. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning you say, Justin, that's me today. And man, there's just a change that needs to be made in my life. There's one hand. Is there anyone else? You join this one hand that is lifted before we go any further in service today. You say, Justin, that's me. That's me. And you may be at home, online, watching, in your living room, watching in your kitchen, but you just say that you, I would just invite you, raise your hand right where you are at home. Is there anyone else before we go any further, you join this one individual that raised their hand. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I just confess that I've messed up 
that I've sinned, but I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I pray that your grace, your forgiveness, your love would enter my life. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.